The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about a hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is um, an educational video by Bradley or it's the show from the previous day. Okay, I, I don't know what it's going to be right now because we'll be we're pre-recording. I wasn't fibbing. We are live right now. But uh, whatever's going on, that'll be on the left side of the page. You can catch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern, which time Bradley should be live in that area, or there'll be another education video there. Okay, Right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. A lot of friends over there, so good morning to you guys. And while you're there, please subscribe to the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. And we appreciate your support very much. We're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, and we thank Michael Roach and his team for giving us a spot uh, both the morning show and afternoon show on their platform. Right up under where we're streaming live on sonsoflibertymedia.com, top right side of the page there, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter that goes out once a day, uh, or late late afternoon, early evening. All the articles at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the morning show archive. So be sure and sign up for that to make sure you get it in your inbox. And finally, our store is available the link is at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that, and it'll take you over there. Or if you want to go directly there, it's the Sons of Liberty. Don't forget the in front of it, thesonsoflibertymedia.squarespace.com. And that'll take you over to our store. A lot of products in there, but we're highlighting Soldier of the Cross. We've got the bundle available. Now, all these items come separate. You can get those in the store separately, but the bundle starts at $34. You get the Soldier of the Cross book that Bradley, uh, it's about a little over a month old now, and a T-shirt of your size and a dog tag of your color, black or silver. And uh, they start at $34. They go up from there if you're double X size in your t-shirt or larger the shirts are available by themselves the dog tags are available by themselves and so is the book and then we've got a lot of other items in there for gifts conversation starters and education so 
Uh, do yourself a favor, go over there, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. That's where you can get to our store. All right, so we've got a special show today. And, um, you know, the guy's not a stranger to the Sons of Liberty here at all, but we're going to tell you about his dad and uh, what a great uh, impact on the culture that he had, especially concerning health and the fight against cancer. And so it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, uh, John Richardson from vitaminb17.com. Good to see you, John. Hi, Tim. Good to see you as well. It's always uh, fun to be here. I, I consider you a friend. And I love that beard. Uh, I, I'm, you can see I'm trying to get mine to, to look quite as good as yours, but uh, I always love seeing your beard every time I'm on. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I was telling John before the show, I went down to catch just a quick nap because it's just been crazy. Uh, we've got some exciting things that have taken place in our family. And uh, so I grabbed a quick nap. I got up my beard. It looks like a big afro. It's just out like this. So I had to brush it down. Uh, down boy, you know, get that oil back in my beard and pull it back down there. Anyway, thank you for that compliment. And it's great to have you back. And you know what? We've kind of, the, the times you've been on, we, we've talked about vitamin B17, which we're going to hit a little bit on today. And we've talked about uh, the apricot seeds. We've talked about books. And I think for the coming year, we're going to really highlight uh, Ed Griffin's book. It's like the 50th year anniversary of that. So we're, we've got that on store for people uh, coming in the new year. But today we're going to talk about your dad and really get at the root of um, the man who was, I guess, literally behind Ed Griffin's book, Oral Without Cancer, and also really behind your idea of what you're doing there at vitaminb17.com or vitaminb17foryou.com. So tell us a little bit about your dad. Let's learn who your dad was what the reputation he had, you know, what kind of impact he had on the people that he served. Well, this is it's it's a really fun thing for me uh, because uh, it's uh, the sense of pride that I have. My dad had eight children, and uh, lucky for me, he he it was not. He told me when I was a little boy, it was not cool, as they would say uh, back then in the uh, you know late seventies or excuse me, early in the mid sixties. Uh, and before it wasn't cool to name your son after yourself. It was, he, he used the word gauche. You know, my dad was great. Uh, he, had, he had a great uh, language, uh, but he, so my oldest brother was named Steve. And then uh, he had another son and his name was Peyton, which is named after family uh, name. And then it went back into style. So my dad named me John A. Richardson Jr. And, and you can see back here, my dad, the camera's not uh, showing it well enough, but that's my father back there. Uh, Dr. Johnny Richardson. And so I have a great sense of pride when um, I'm asked about it. And my dad passed many years ago uh, before my 31-year-old son who works here at Richardson Nutritional Center full-time before he was even born. So my dad's been gone a long time, sadly, because they took him out uh, at a young age, but he was the pioneer, uh, the one that really started to break through in the 70s so that other doctors could follow. Dr. Privatera, is another name, and uh, he was big in the in the uh, early '70s as well. Uh, there was a doctor out of um, out of uh, the Midwest who a, a, a book was written called "Alive and Well." But my dad uh, was a good speaker. He was uh, well presented. He always wore a suit and tie, and so he kind of was the the person that was centered around this whole uh, laetrile controversy. And, you know, it's interesting because 
I, I was starting to tell you that I was just recently on Dr. Carrie Madej's show, and she read some excerpts from my dad's opening statement at his fourth criminal trial that they sued him for, all because he was treating people with natural substances that were cheaper, like one twentieth of the cost of the the uh, normal treatments, which are my dad said cut, burn, and poison which is surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. And so my dad, even though he was trained at the University of Rochester Medical School, uh, he uh, learned all of his uh, information of, uh, you know, in his own practice. Uh, and so if you don't mind, Tim, I'm going to read a little bit of my dad's opening statement in his court. Please. Uh, don't, you know, yeah. So. And when was uh, all this going on? And what, what, what were the years that all this was going on? 1969 was the year my dad first uh, started thinking about uh, Lanchel. He had his normal practice. He was an ear, nose, and throat specialist in the San Francisco Bay Area. So he didn't treat cancer patients at all. And uh, even when he was treating people, it was more like he wasn't uh, advertising on treating cancer. He was saying, I'm helping people with their immune system so that they can get healthier and battle cancer themselves. That's an important distinction even now, 50 years later. It's over 50 years later, but G.R. Griffin wrote the book and dedicated it to my father called World Without Cancer. Uh, we've sold out of it completely. Like I told you, we, it sells more copies now than, uh, than it, in, a, in a week than it used to sell in a year or several years ago because people are waking up. So staying on subject, this ha- started in 1969, but um, the, the hot and heavy part of it when it really started to explode was in the early 70s. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit today about that that kind of the transition that happened with my father. So this is his opening statement in a trial from 1977, February 15th, 1977 in San Diego, California. And it's pretty, it's a pretty compelling story. And we hope to put this into get Mickey Willis, who's he's agreed, get him to do a documentary about this whole story about Laetrile B-17 so we can wake the world up about this. And you're doing a great job with the Sons of Liberty to let your audience know that it cancer is not a death sentence. That it's that it's has it has there's things to help it, things to deal with it that are naturally found in God's nature. Amen. So anyway, here's here's a uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are sitting in judgment of a case that may be one of the most important in American history. I am not exaggerating. This trial is much more critical than you probably have been led to believe, and is not merely a typical smuggling charge. They they charged him with smuggling. <laughs> Smuggling what? Hang hang, hang on. Smuggling what? Laetrile. Smuggling Laetrile in from Mexico. You're kidding. That's what they charged him with. Oh, my goodness. Tried to get him on three other cases for quackery, for uh, anti-quackery laws in California. They tried to trump up charges. But this, the final case was uh, this one where they tried to, uh, and he, he, uh, he explains in here, that he he ended up firing his attorneys because they were they there's a system where they don't don't go against and it's even happening now where they don't go against system or they get uh, they get in trouble for for helping uh, you know to, to help somebody against the government they get in trouble they get their their uh, law licenses withdrawn or whatever so my dad ended up representing himself even though my uncle uh, was a graduate of Stanford University uh, uh, law school. My dad ended up representing himself in this case in 1977. So uh, let me begin with a short biography. I was in college when World War II broke out. I quit school and joined the Marine Corps. 
After successfully completing the officer's candidate school training, I served in Guam, Saipan, and China. After the war, I returned to college where I played football and served on the student council and honor court. After graduating, I entered medical school at the University of Rochester. Upon completion of my studies, I received a fellowship for medicine at surgery at Mary Imogene Bassett Hospital in Cooperstown, New York. Next, I received a fellowship in ear, nose, and throat at Kaiser Hospital, San Francisco. In 1956, this is important to understand, Tim, I opened a general practice in Albany. My practice grew, and I became both professionally and financially successful. I stress this because, as we all know from watching Perry Mason and Sherlock Holmes on television, that's back when they... <laughs> that's <laughs> back in the day a while. <laughs> that's back in the day. Uh, a major portion in judging any alleged crime is motive. Why would a professionally and financially successful physician become a smuggler? Smuggling is something we generally associate with someone who is desperate and who has no other way of making a good living. Such is certainly not the case with myself. So he he went on to explain uh, the kind of the history and uh, you know how he got into B seventeen and what he was doing and the success he was having. And I I told you before he wrote this book and this book has been out of print and I I, I kind of tell you the story it's almost every single thing you can do to stop it being in print the the uh, the, the publisher that was printing it G. Edward Griffin owns the rights to it even though my father uh you know has is, has a copyright on it too but you know G. Edward Griffin is a friend family friend and you know we've never I've never been like hey I need to have ownership I don't care about uh the ownership of the book I just want to get the information out there so you can see my book has coffee stains on it and highlights and and all that kind of stuff but this book was written by my father after this trial. It came out. This uh, book was written, uh, copyrighted in 1977. Um, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was May of 1977 after this trial. I think this trial ended in, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but this trial ended in like uh, March or April and my dad's book came out and and he uh, handpicked with him and Pat Griffin, Ed's uh, uh, registered nurse wife. She was a nurse. Uh, they handpicked only the cases that were treated at an orthodox clinic, like your local hospital, whoever it is, your cancer hospital is near your house, treated there, found to have cancer, and then sent home to say, we don't have any hope for you with our cut, burn, uh, poison therapy. And then they went through my dad's entire uh, therapy and then went back to the same hospital and got found, tested, x-rayed, and found to be cancer-free. That's the only 62 cases that made it into my dad's book. Now, Pat Griffin, who's still alive, I just spoke to her yesterday, says there was many more miraculous, even more wild and more miraculous stories back then out of the thousands of patients my dad treated, but they only included those because every time a patient would say, yeah, I had cancer, I went to Dr. Richardson's place, and they didn't get checked at an orthodox clinic, the media and everybody would say, no, they did, that's a spontaneous uh, you know, they just believed it's it's like taking a placebo. They just believed they were going to be healed, so they were healed. So they, they didn't really have cancer, or or there was the after effects of the chemotherapy and radiation that miraculously made them get rid of their cancer. You know, two years later. So that was the that was the battle that he battled in the seventies, and we didn't have the wonderful internet and podcasters like yourself that could tell the story without having it be taken off the internet. If we told this story, Tim, on YouTube, we would not get it out there. It would be deleted immediately. Uh, so you you know that. I'm sure you don't have a channel. Or even if you do have a channel on YouTube, you have to sanitize it. Oh, yeah. We so, had like three of them get, get canned. 
Oh yeah, we I had I had a, a channel for a little bit and was just I just putting my speeches up there and I got contacted to take it down and you know it was it was t- so if you go to Richardson Nutritional Center uh, YouTube channel I don't think there's any on there we do have a Rumble channel now and we let people know every time I'm on a podcast like yours we post the Rumble channels up there support both you and us to get the word out there so okay so, thousands of patients Tim uh, world renowned. Initially, he had the media was all against him. But after several years of doing this and having all the wonderful cases, but with by 1977, when this case happened, the media in the Bay Area in general uh, was on my dad's side. They were basically, I, I wouldn't say it on his side, but they were basically much more kind to him and much more willing to listen. And so he was really getting the word out there about in Northern California, but they squelched it in the rest of the country and kept it private unless a doctor in their area was dealing with it. So they had to run this case in uh, San Diego. They moved it to San Diego where the media was not on my father's side and the, the jury pool was not on his side. So he lived in the San Francisco Bay Area in a town called Al, uh, uh, Orinda and his practice was in Albany. But why did this case get moved to San Diego? Because it was a smuggling case and my dad was a, a professional smuggler. <laughs> so uh, my brother laughs about that because they actually manufactured all the product in, in, in the United States at that time. And so this was completely trumped up. And it was talking about, and it wasn't even illegal to bring it in anyway, as long as you had people uh, doing it the right way and paying the, the, the taxes, even at that time, it wasn't illegal. So, yeah, the, can I so, back it? Can we back up just a little bit from, from this? I, I want people to kind of get where, where he's going. So, he's discovering this thing, and obviously, he's helping people, and the people are fighting back against their cancer. Some of them are putting, I guess the, the proper term is they're putting them in remission there or whatever, right. whatever people want to say they're, there's, yeah, it's no longer a threat. My dad was careful. Even I read my dad's material, but anyway, I don't want to interrupt your question. Yeah. So, so, so what, tell us what your dad was like before we get into all this, where he's, you know, put out in the media and all this other, what was your dad like at home? What was he as, as a father? How, how was, how do you remember him being to you and brothers and sisters and such? Well, it's it, he was a God-fearing Christian, uh, upstanding, uh, walk in the room and command uh, attention. Honest, he was he was the president of the honor court at college. He was a college football player. He was a great student. He was a great leader. He, uh, you know, we we studied Bible doctrine on a daily, if not weekly, basis. He ran for Congress. You see back here. You see part of the poster. Next time I'm on, I'll have to adjust it up a little bit. But it says, elect John Richardson, MD, for God, family, and country in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that's the kind of father he was. And the interesting thing is, any of my friends, I have this good friend named Kevin Finn out of uh, Southern California. He knew my dad. And he he said my dad was, you know, still the, one of the most amazing men he's ever met. And any and po- most people do him do did meet my dad. I think he was amazing. He was a Christian. He was an honest, uh, God fearing, loving father. And he he, he didn't he didn't believe he didn't believe in sparing the rod if we if we misbehaved or lied or you know took too much of something or weren't responsible. We would we we would get our corporal punishment. Uh, and, and I'm the better for it. You know, nowadays they say, if you ever spank your child, you're doing child, uh, endangerment or whatever, but or you're dad, doing them a uh, disservice, aren't you? You are doing a disservice. You absolutely are. Punishment is important to guide the kids. It's not like punishment to hurt the children, but punishment, uh, my dad did uh, to guide us in what was, you know, the difference between right and wrong. And the, the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's right. So 
he was an amazing father. And, he, and, and, and the Bible also teaches us that if, if we withhold the rod, uh, you know, we're demonstrating that we hate our children. We don't love them. And we, and I used to tell my kids that, you know, my dad used to tell me stuff like, well, I'm doing this, you know, it hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, I don't buy that. Okay. I don't buy that. Uh, it hurts, but the intent is to get attention. It is to be reminded that we're not to engage in some of the things. And I did that with my kids too, but I'm glad to hear that your dad was that way. That he had that kind of a reputation, you know, first Timothy three and, and Titus two talk about, uh, an elder in a church having a reputation outside of the church as well with the people, that they know him to be a good, upstanding, honest man. And so that's good to hear that your dad had that kind of uh, reputation, you know, inside the home as well as outside and with your friends and everything else. So uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thank you. And, and a really neat thing that gives me pride again is that G. Edward Griffin, I have it on video, and one day I'm going to put it, I'm going to get it uh, edited so I can put it out there. Uh, but Ed, at his 90th birthday, and uh, we were in, I believe we were in uh, Georgia, and Ed stood up and gave a speech at his 90th birthday with hundreds of people in the room. And my brother, uh, Charles, uh, my younger brother, Charles, and I, who uh, were, have been in the apricot seed business all basically the last 30 years, uh, Ed got up and said that the second most influential thing of his life was meeting my father and getting my dad introduced him to the subject of Laetrile. And uh, Ed had no idea what that, how that was going to change his life, but he wrote this book in 1974 after being introduced to the subject by my father on a fishing trip in Oregon in the early 70s. My dad had known about it since the 60s. G. Edward Griffin and my father were friends from the John Birch Society. They were both on the council of the John Birch Society. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they were one of the original. Yep, I'm a part of John Birch Society. Okay. Well, they, I'm a life member. My dad made me a life member when I was born, and I went to John Birch camp as a kid. So a lot of uh, uh, my childhood friends, uh, Gary, um, oh, the guy that wrote the book, None Dare Call It Conspiracy. Oh, I've got conspiracy. that. Yeah, he Gary Allen was a personal friend of my father's. I was friends with his sons. I, I have, I've lost track of them, but these were this was our family as, as a child. My dad was what you would what they would call a white supremacist you know blah 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 blah, blah. and as a kid i my, my dad was loved all races he loved all people he was he was a humanitarian he was he was almost considered liberal because he believed in choices for uh for medical freedom and personal freedom and things like that you know they changed the whole meaning of conservative and liberal now uh my dad was for medical freedom and choice and and a lot of people in the 60s and 70s you know, had a long hairy armpits and, and, you know, believed in marijuana and free all this. My dad was never that, but he always believed you should have the choice to, to eat organic food and eat, you know, uh, slow cooked, or low cooked vegetables and things like that, which was considered back in the sixties and seventies, almost a, you know, you were a tree hugger, you know? So my dad was kind of a, much like I am, I think uh, my dad was kind of a, an anomaly in the Bay, San Francisco Bay area because he was a live and let live person and never forced his beliefs on anybody, but he also lived a life that, that people looked up to. So, uh, you know, that, that's his, his reward for, for treating these thousands of patients and going beyond putting his practice at risk. Cause he was very successful. We had a beautiful home in Orinda long before he ever discovered Laetrile. But this uh, Tim is where we come to the story where in 1972, my dad wrote this and, and it's, it's, it's it's in the, his little speech here that he gave at the court, but it's embellished more in, in his book. So I'm just going to uh, 
tell a little bit about out of his his speech or his opening statement, and then I'm going to go to the book to tell a little story that'll kind of give you an idea about the kind of man my father was. So on or about June 2nd, 1972, eight men from the California Food and Drug Administration and the Albany police burst into my office, accompanying, if you can believe it, by a film crew from ABC. What does that sound like now when you, you hear about them arresting people? Oh, absolutely. For- it sounds like a setup. A setup, exactly. A film crew. We were treated like heroin pushers as the government agents manhandled my nurses and ransacked the office. They were looking for Laetrile as there was never any secret that I was using in my practice. The presence of a television camera crew is, as far as I know, unprecedented in the annals of the California Food and Drug Administration. It put me in the worst possible light before the general public as it made me look like a common criminal. This was the same public from which I presumably would have to select a jury for my trial. It seems obvious to me that I was to be tried by the press with loaded and phony evidence, and this adverse publicity was the sole reason why the California Food and Drug Administration brought along the, uh, the television crew. So he goes on to explain there that uh, at that point, point, the all of the local media was antagonistic, calling him a you know quack, and I can't believe this doctor is doing this for profit, even though literally he, his his income went down, and and he not using he could have treated all of these patients with chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, and made millions, but he was using naturopathic therapy and nutrition to help them fight off their own cancer. And the other thing my dad made very clear, and I hope I make this clear to everybody watching, my dad did not believe, as do most people that understand the metabolic reasons for cancer, that cancer is not the lump or the tumor. Most people think, oh, I have this tumor, that means I have cancer. No, cancer is cells acting improperly. The yeah. tumor is the body's defense mechanism surrounding that cancer to stop it from spreading. Interesting. So if, yeah. My, so if you're cutting it out or, or burning it out or doing radiation. You're helping it to spread. Exactly. Exactly. So biopsies are one of the things my dad said, stay away from those. And people, many people, even that you know are, are listening to our side think, well, I need to go find out if, if it's cancer. Just assume it is change your diet and let your body uh, uh, defend it because you don't need to know whether it is or not. Uh, you don't need to open it up so that it spreads. The body is, is, is covering. So he, he made yeah. that point clear. So, John, can I ask a question in, in some of this? Yes. And by the way, I just want to hit this just to show people we're, we're about the midway point here. Uh, if you want to check out uh, John's site, uh, get some of the apricot seeds or some of the uh, lateral um uh, supplements that he has, pick up some of the books, which he's out of right now, but he will get those back in stock. Go to vitamin B17 for you. That's the number four and the letter U, vitamin B17forU.com. Use the promo code Tim and you'll save 10% as well. But let me ask you something. You made mention a minute ago of um, uh, the tree huggers and you were speaking of uh, cannabis and we've had D Manny on several times and she helped to treat her cancer with cannabis as well. Did your father ever deal with any of that or did he say anything with regards to the, the, the THC being used to fight against cancer at all? Did he look into any of that as well? Well, I'm going to look back at my dad and, uh, and say, <laughs> dad, I apologize. No, <laughs> my dad was extremely anti-marijuana as a kid. I never smoked marijuana. I still haven't at this age, but I'm not, I'm not saying that to put any judgment on people. My dad was fooled by the 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 um, the slant against marijuana back in the seventies because he concentrated on laetrile and understood that concept. 
But now we now know, and that, that's what gives me chills by the, the studies that we've done on for hemp products that CBDA has a tremendous yes. beneficial effect along with a laetril that makes it almost a, a bad word, the four-letter word that starts with C <laughs> that we can only say on <laughs> your channel. Here, it almost, we I'm hearing 100% for breast cancer and some of these other Cs. So my dad, uh, dad, I apologize. And dad, he's okay with it because I know I, I get chills when I talk about it. I watched uh, the, the uh, sacred plant, I think it was called. It was a series back about seven or eight years ago. And I had epiphany and I realized Aha, they did the same thing against hemp and CBD as they did against Latrol. Yeah. Any natural thing that God did, they demonized it. Yeah. They, they devil's weed. Now, I don't think smoking marijuana with a tons of THC is good for you, just like I don't think snorting cocaine is good for you. But both of those, especially cocaine, my dad said was a tremendous, tremendous weapon against so many different things if used properly. But if abused, right. abused that's when it had the problem. So, my dad said it was the physicians that started to abuse cocaine. But previous to that, it's way better than Novocaine. It had, didn't have the side effects. It went away quickly. It didn't cause the problems that they did. So here I am. You're going to have a clip of this and go, that John Richardson promoting cocaine use. <laughs> <laughs> Another drug I've never done. Uh, but my dad said God created these things, these natural things yeah, sure. for, for helping with disease. But when you abuse anything, alcohol, yeah. you know, Made uh, uh, you know uh, grape juice. Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I you know, and that I I want to just bring that up because these are all things that God has put in the creation. You know, I remember reading where you know back at the turn of the century, the twentieth century, they had heroin that you could buy over the counter in the pharmacy. Why? Because people would get at home, they would go treat themselves whether they're treating, and they weren't abusing it. They were. Um, I don't know. For I, I'm sure there were people who were abusing it. Let me put it that way. There, there's always people who are going to be abusing it, but for the most part, that was not that was not an issue. And just because people abuse something doesn't mean that it should be banned and you know regulated and all this other stuff. We we need to change the heart. That's that's an issue for the gospel. But I was interested to see how that would do. And you know, normally when when she comes on, she talks about if if you're a person who smokes that. All you're going to get is the high. But if you take it internally, that's where you get the real good spectrum of effects for fighting against cancer. And so I'm glad to hear that. And yes, CBD, if people want to pick, let me just throw this one in here real quick. If you want to go to My Way CBD and help D out, mywaycbd.com, use promo code BROWN. You'll save some money on that. Uh, you'll help her out. And I, I think that's a that's a big deal, you know, coming alongside these kinds of things too, people going back to the creation and what God has made it for. Yeah, and I'd love to have a show with her and I on to talk about it because it's uh, it's it's a fascinating subject to I'll me. I'll make that happen. And the cannabinoids uh, help uh, see, uh, Laetrile work better. The whole system makes it work better. And so, anyway, so I want to, and and that's a that's a that's important, Tim, because uh, even if my dad was anti it, I understand now uh, he would have changed. He would have understood. And my dad was not a perfect man. He was he he did he strove to tell the truth. And so, had he known what I know now, he would have been behind it because I, I see the results. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's the exact same thing. So, anyway, um, so th my dad said uh, he, this is what he said about that. I want to just read this little thing, and I and, and I can say all these things, but it's just good to get right from his words. In the evaluation of anti-tumor effect, only objective decrease in the size 
of measurable lesions can be accepted as demonstrating anti-tumor effects by the compound under study. Subjective effects such as pain relief, increased appetite, weight gain, increased activities are not evidence of anti-cancer effect. That's what they told people, that only shrinking the tumor was an anti-cancer effect when all those other effects, if you had your appetite come back, you got weight gain, weight gain, you got increased activities, you felt wonderful, you felt like living your life, and your tumor only shrunk very slowly. It might take a year or two years for the body to reassimilate the tumor if you're eating right now, okay? So this, my dad said, as long as this sophomoric attitude is accepted by orthodox medicine, and especially as long as it's forced on the rest of us by the effect of law, Tens of thousands of people continue to die needlessly every single day, and all the multi-million dollar grants and all the research in the world will fail to stop it because it's all about profit. It's all about, and they'll, so anything that's cheap and easy, we've, we've covered that, and I just want to make sure that, the, that people listening understand that cancer is not the tumor. It's not a lump or a bump. It's the body's inability to fight off uh, cells that are multiplying, wrong, uh, you know, the wrong way. So every one of us has the C word in us. It's only if you don't have a proper immune system with the proper nutrition that your body is not able to fight it off. So those are, that's a very important thing that my dad said. So I, I here's where, uh, here's where I want to just tell you a little bit about my father and this, I hope this is entertaining for people because it's very entertaining for me. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Uh, so th th you heard about the people uh, taking it. They, they found no laetrile, although several vials sat right out in the open. They just didn't recognize it when they saw it. Soon after arrival, the inspector confiscated my car keys and instructed the officers to get my briefcase out of the trunk and take it for evidence. Incredible. For him to know that I kept all of my most important papers pertaining to laetrile in a briefcase in the trunk of my car, he must have been watching my every move for quite a while. The image of being spied upon from nearby windows and parked autos sent a creeping sensation down my spine. Now, here's the here's the important story that I want you to hear. At the time of the raid, a little girl about seven years old by the name of Carrie Alderson was in the examination room number three. She had just begun metabolic therapy for an advanced case of osteo osteogenic sarcoma, cancer of the bone. When she first came to the clinic, I didn't think she had much of a chance because of the late start. And I told that to her parents but I was willing to do everything I could for her if that is what they wanted, which it was. Carrie had responded beautifully in terms of increased appetite, weight gain, freedom from pain, and a feeling of well-being, but her leg continued to fester and swell. In fact, as she lay on the examining table, her leg did not present a very pretty picture. The inspector from the FDA, the California FDA, took one look at it, turned pale, and quickly walked away. Normally, Carrie would have received a massive injection of vitamins, including vitamin B17. Under the circumstances, however, not being sure what kind of legal trouble I would be in if I administered amygdalin right in front of the state health department official who was already searching for evidence against me, I simply cleaned and dressed her lesions and sent her home. It was evident, however, that this little girl, as well as her parents, were greatly upset by the threatening presence of police officers. This child died three days later. And there is no doubt in my mind that this death could have been postponed or avoided altogether if it had not been for the raid, which one, interrupted the only therapy that had a chance to save her life, and two, caused great mental and emotional trauma to the patient, which only could have diminished her resistance to the disease. I record this event wow. here because I look forward to the day when arrogant and lawless government agents will be held accountable. 
not only for their unconstitutional acts, but for manslaughter and perhaps even genocide. When the day comes when public servants can no longer escape personal responsibility for their official acts, only on that day will the individual citizen be secure in his constitutional liberties. Amen. And we're, we're, I think we're pretty close to that day if the people will see it through. If they'll yeah. see it through, we have a chance. How many years later? 50 years 50, later, 50 we have a chance later. to bring to the forefront what your father was looking for. And you're absolutely right. And um, it, it, it not, to me, nothing's more important to get this message out there. That's why I consider you more than just a friend. I consider you an ally. We're in this in 2024. The timing could never have been better. The world is waking up more to the truth of Jesus Christ, to the truth of what he's provided for us. At, at I want to. Can I read a couple Bible verses that, that Please. came across? Okay. I was just fixing to hit some of those. Okay, well, I want you to add in yours, but uh, the pastor at my church, um, who uh, November 14th of 2022, he had a massive stroke and uh, a, a brain uh, bleed, and uh, he 99.9% .9 of the people that get this die and uh, you know are never back the same. They're vegetables. They can't speak. He couldn't speak, all this kind of stuff. But the, the, our church that grew during the, the pandemic and the scandemic that he didn't, he had one section of the church you could wear masks for optional, but the other two sections of the church the entire time were masks not allowed. And it was, it, this church grew quadruple during this pandemic when everybody else was shutting their churches down and not meeting. He was, he was still meeting and they had come out with a song with their, with their worship team that went number one on the charts the day before he preached. And then he preached about miracles on Sunday, and then he had this massive stroke on Monday. He came back from it. That's the, the moral to the story. And he just he had the one-year anniversary just now. And, and on Easter Sunday, several months ago, he preached five different sermons. And it's it's miraculous. And he and so he the, the inspiration that I get from him as well, the, the times we're going through right now, but Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we need to go to God. Do we think God can create miracles? I, yes. Tim, absolutely. I know you know yeah, absolutely. Your grandchild was just born. That's a miracle. And, and Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So... This is the time, and and the people that are watching, uh, my my dad's entire work of his uh, of his career, uh, he, he he you might look at it and go he was defeated, but without him going through all that some fifty years ago, we would not be able to have this groundswell. If it was just a story about some little doctor in a village someplace and whatever, my dad was world famous trying to get this word out there and helped thousands of people, and they still almost squashed it. But now people are inspired by this story. And just telling exactly what happened, people are going, okay, it's time to wake up. It's time now to spread this word. So I'm imploring everybody watching your show to spread the word and get people to know about this because we can have a world without cancer. Maybe as Clay Clark said to me the other day, <laughs> uh, I know I know there's, you have issues sometimes with Clay Clark, but he said, are we going to cure cancer or is Jesus going to come back first? So we don't we don't know which is going to which is going to happen first, but but we're going to keep fighting even 
uh, even in spite of what comes against us. So. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're talking about what your dad did uh, and such, and what we the testimonies we heard, like I say, from D. Manny, we've heard it from Kate. Uh, we've had several people who've dealt with with cancer in their own life and fought against it. It's not like we haven't found the solution. I'm going to use that as the word, the solution for the for the C word for the cancer. Yep. It's not like we haven't found it. It's it, the problem, John, is people don't want to do what it takes to deal with the cancer. We have been taught you take a pill. We have been taught you let us do all the stuff. You keep living your lifestyle the way you're living. You keep putting all that processed food in your body. You keep loading yourself up on you know meats and dairy. I mean, and I'm talking about I'm not in moderation. You keep you know, drinking like a drunken sailor, uh, you keep doing all of this stuff, you keep putting filthy things into your mind, all that's going to pollute the body, and it's going to make you sick. And if people don't want to turn from that, that's a part of repentance. I, I, I truly believe God teaches us how to live our lives, and that includes what we're putting into it. And, and He teaches us those things. He opens our eyes to what's going on. I was thinking of Proverbs 8.15, by me, kings reign and princes decree justice. So sometimes God brings justice, you know, his way. He's going to do it. It's going to be supernatural. Sodom and Gomorrah is a great example of that. But the most, most of the time he uses means. He uses men to bring justice. And I thought about this passage here too. We went over this uh, this past Sunday. Um, this coming out of Micah, which, by the way, you mentioned my new grandson born on Tuesday, uh, Micah, he was named Micah. And uh, yeah, and so, you know, in Micah, what's one of the things that we see there? You know, one of the focus of the passage of Micah chapter six, he says, and people know this, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly. And to love mercy, or to love to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And one of the things we talked about about this word justice, or if you read it there, to do justly, is not the issue of necessarily the carrying out of justice, although that may be implied, but is to seek after the judge. That's where it comes from. To seek after the one who has set the law, the lawgiver, God himself, Yahweh. Uh, we're to seek after him. We're to love mercy. Now, why do we love mercy? Well, because God has extended that to us. We deserve the justice part. And to walk humbly with him. That doesn't mean we we forsake the law. Paul says, on the contrary, we're esteeming the law. We're lifting it up. We're holding up the law. And it keeps us humble because we know we were lawbreakers and God showed his mercy to us, which, which is not a part of law. So I, I think that's a good thing to remember. And then you made mention of this other part, too, out of Ephesians. Uh, and if I could, let me just give the context here, and then I'll, I'll get you to, to jump right back in there. But this is from Ephesians 3, and you kind of hit on one of the verses here, but I want people to hear the context. Paul told the Ephesian believers, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the cause? Well, everything that he's laid out before, God's goodness in choosing us and adopting us in setting his blessings upon us in regenerating us into showing us his grace into bringing us into the commonwealth of Israel and making us citizens with uh, Israel. And so what he says is he says, um, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do... Whew, this part right here, brother. Mm. Uh-huh. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen and notice what he says there he <laughs> he's able to do above what we can ask or even think what whatever we can come up with in our mind is so far beyond that. And the scripture also tells us that he's prepared a place for us. What he's prepared for us, it hasn't even entered into our hearts, our minds, what he's prepared for those who love him. Not for everybody. Some people hate him and they don't want anything to do with him. But for those who yeah. love him, man, he's done that. And here in the here and now, he can do way beyond what we can even think or ask of him. I just find that what an amazing God we serve. And he's the one who gave us Laetrile. He's the one who gave us the apricot seeds and all of this other stuff. He's the one to be glorified. Not not the apricot seeds, not vitamin B17, but the God who made them. And, and it's it's amazing because it is, it, it's such a, uh, I, I say this before, it's such a, a vision of good and evil as well. Uh, cancer is like the vision between good and evil, light and oxygen and love and peace is on God's side. And the other side is cut, burn, torture. You know, they get happiness from seeing us suffer. And that is the battle that we fight with cancer. And many people for years and years, for 50 years, Tim, people didn't believe this story when they heard it because it was too simple. God can't be the, you know, something, a vitamin that God created that's in 1,200 different plants that we used to eat. That's the prevention for cancer. That can't be. That's just too easy. And so it's too easy. So God, you know, just like being saved is too easy. All, all you have to do is uh, believe and, and, and you know, admit your sins. And, and all you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's too easy. It can't be. That, it can't be. You have to must have to jump through all these hoops and do all this other stuff. It can't be that God God's uh, miracle is that easy. And just they proved it with vitamin C. God created vitamin C. And if you don't bring in God's vitamin, vitamin C, in your diet, you can die a miserable, horrible death called scurvy. That has been wiped out for hundreds of years, but for hunt for 300 years, the elites, the people in charge knew that vitamin C prevented scurvy and they didn't have a problem taking it for themselves. But for the, the, the scoundrels, the rats and running around and the, the useless eaters that they, that they've called us for hundreds of years, those useless eaters were not worthy of knowing about vitamin C just like we, we haven't been worthy uh, with B17. But as we're going through this spiritual revival, we're also going through a revival of truth. That's right. People are learning to lie to for years. And so I, again, uh, and I, I, I like to point this out to people that you don't need me. Uh, you, you can take this message right from God. He, he talked about the seeds being, uh, you know, our, our food for us, the seeds and the seeds are the healthiest thing. Eat the seeds. And I believe and I know that apricot seeds and peach seeds and apple seeds are the most nutritional seeds on the planet because they have amygdala in it. Yep. If we can eat enough amygdala, we can prevent 
that disease that, that in 10 years, I hope we only know about it in history books, that your grandson who was just born, Micah, will only know about cancer through history books. That- you know what? That would be that would be a fan that would be a fantastic thing to pass along people. And then to add on to that, that the reason that is is because of the tree of life. You know, when you yeah. read at the end of the book of Revelation, you read this tree of life, and some people talk about it that it's Christ. I have no problem believing that. And using his creation and the things he uses, it the, the leaves are for the the healing of the nations. One of the things you talked about though, uh, about there, you said, you know, if the people would just believe the gospel. You know, Jesus, the Bible tells us the way of the sinner is hard. Jesus told us that his way was easy and his burden was light. So, and we say, oh, it's so difficult. Well, that's because we're trying to do it the sinner's way and not Christ's way. And in the same manner, I see the parallel there. If you tell somebody, look, the law of God is against you. It's against your sin. You're under judgment and only Christ can save you from sin. Well, I... If that person embraces that and they really believe it, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to repent of their sin. They're going to start throwing off their sin. They're going to put mortify the deeds of the flesh. Same thing happens with your dad. Well, you need this stuff in your body. This has to be in there. You've got to got good, good nutrition at the center. Of, we're going to do laetrile, but there's other nutrition you've got to do. If you're unwilling to do that, you're not going to fight this cancer. You're going to lose the battle to it. And only the people who believed your dad and did what he said saw the results. The others who didn't do that, they wouldn't see those results. Yeah, my dad said that many times that if you if you don't believe it, even and nutritionally, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you just say you do, but you don't really believe it. It's it's useless. And the same thing in, in the nutritional side of it. And so I don't mean to belittle Jesus at all about as far as nutrition, but uh, but this is a biblical fight we're in. We're in a fight between good and evil. And it's not just apricot seeds is the only fight between good and evil. There's there's other fights for children and the fights for, you know, CBD products and other and, and good clean water, and good air and exercising and and living a good life and 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 leading and raising up children that are going to make a difference. You know, not just putting them in front of the TV or letting them watch, you know, uh whatever they want to watch and just letting the world raise them. That's also God's plan, you know. We we have to follow these things to to make a difference and we are. And many people are waking up to that. And me and my 11 kids are going to do our best to, you know, I believe God's given me an opportunity to raise up 11 strong, good Christian children that will make a difference in this world as well. Amen. Amen. All right. We got about four and a half minutes here. And so let's highlight some some things about your father. You you gave us some of the speech that he gave there. What's some of the other highlights about your dad and his life uh, before he died? Well, he was able to uh, bring, go into Mexico, open a clinic in Mexico, and many of the doctors that are uh, that are still practicing in Mexico where laetrile, it's legal to promote it as a treatment for cancer. United States, you can't promote it for the treatment of cancer. So my dad, uh, many of the doctors and clinics will give their, they will give their, when I see them, they know who I am. They know who my dad was. One of the doctors in Mexico, I think Oasis of Hope, says he has one of my dad's uh, office chairs still in his office. So they, 30 years after my dad's passed, 30 plus years, he's still well known. He's still known as a pioneer in the Laetra world. And and so that, um, that legacy that my dad had has saved thousands and thousands of lives, maybe hundreds of thousands of lives. And so it's really great when, when I'm talking to somebody about this subject and they go, yeah, wasn't there a doctor in the seventies? I remember a doctor in the seventies who was treating people out of the San Francisco Bay area and he was all over the news. And then Laetrile just disappeared. It, it lost, you know, they said it was not, it didn't work. And I said, well, yeah, that was my father. 
And G.R. Griffin wrote the book, the famous book, World Without Cancer. G.R. Griffin, who wrote Creature from Jekyll Island, which opens doors all over the place. I don't know if you, you know, this book, I would recommend anybody, they want to know the truth about the financial. Yeah, sure. This is a book that, that tells the truth. And so equally, you know, this is the famous book, sold millions of copies. But the most important book, I believe, Ed wrote was World Without Cancer, because um, you can have a with you can have all the money in the world without your health, you have nothing. And you can have all the health in the world without your soul, you have nothing. So that's right. So, you know, obviously, the Bible is the most important book written by many authors and, and God inspired through the whole thing. So we're not we're not comparing the Bible to any of these things, but these are all important and it all it, it feels right. And people that are watching also will know from inside their their uh, heart, the tr- whether you and I are telling the truth or whether this is just something I'm looking to make a buck. And that's that's sincerely when I wake up in the morning, if I can tell one more person about this or spark an interest in them to learn more about health and nutrition, I am that's a that's a wonderful day. And you're and you're a wonderful friend. And I, I really do enjoy being on your show. Well, thanks, John. We we enjoy having you on. And, you know, one of the things that I get oftentimes, and I'm, I'm a frugal guy, everybody knows, you know, sort of our family and, and financial situations and stuff. And one of the things I've started to do is tell my wife, I said, instead of us having this lawn, which, you know, it, it's sort of a, a lawn and, and landscaping and all that sort of this, I don't know, status thing. And I, I'm not, I, I don't live for everybody else of, as to what they view. And so I'm wanting to turn my whole front yard into an orchard. So I, you know, we started with some pears and some apple trees. I want to have the apricot trees. I want to put the peach trees out there. I want to do some nut trees and and some some tea bushes and stuff like that. And, that, and that'll come in time, Lord willing. <laughs> Excuse me. And some people have said, "Well, Tim, you know, I go over there and there's a bag of apricot seeds and it's thirty five dollars. Yeah, it's nothing. It's a huge bag. And you know how long it takes to crack them things? You ought to sit around and try to crack them." That's a that's a deal if you ask me, but but the point is is they can. I want to encourage people. You can go and start growing your own apricot trees, grow your own peach trees, grow your own apple tree, and then eat the seeds out of them. I mean, if you need John to get started, I'm sure he he would encourage you. Just like I'm telling you, grow go grow your own things and do that. Put me out of business. Put me out of business. You're still going to have people who don't want to do that. So he's going to he's going to have plenty of customers. That's no problem. And if you need them for now, use them. But uh, if you need to go to John and you need to check him out, uh, do so. Vitamin B17, the number four and the letter U.com. Vitamin B17 for you.com. Use the promo code Tim and save 10%. And John, your people are great. Uh, again, uh, thank Jan. Boy, she set us up for this month. She set us up for next month. She's on the stick with things. And uh, your people are great there. People will get a good product. And they can know that they're they're not only helping them, they're not only supporting you, but they're helping themselves in the process of what they're getting. And uh, so I want people to, to do just that. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Uh, and we'll get you in touch with D Manny so that you can you guys can have a show together. Guys, Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m. bright and early. Again, don't forget, vitamin B17 for you, vitamin B17 for you.com. See you in the morning. <laughs>